They say home is where you lay your head, but what if you live in the clouds? Tonight, we explore and provide several examples on how to create your own fantastical cities. That's how we roll. 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 Welcome to the Goblin's Corner. My name is Eric. And I'm Matt. And tonight, we're discussing fantastical cities. That's right. It's a place to lay your head, a place for characters to go and visit, and not only that, a place for high adventure. Indeed. That could literally be high up in the clouds or... Could be low adventure. Low adventure. Low. Yeah, it's a place <laughs> deep in the dark, right? Yep. So we're going to show you tonight how to create your own fantastic city for your game and get into the mix with that. Absolutely. And we have a couple of examples as well. I believe five, six examples too. Yeah. As we're wont to do. We oftentimes do that. <laughs> but if you haven't yet, hit that like and subscribe button. Help us get our show out to more people and get notified when more amazing episodes come your way. And if you're listening to the show, give us a review on iTunes or Podchaser. It'll make me happy and Matt too. Indeed. So what's the reason we're talking about fantastic cities for this episode, Matt? For one thing, we enjoy city building. We do. It's fun. Yeah. Building cities is fun. And if you haven't seen our city building episode, go check it out because it's back in the day, but it's still good. Another thing is good cities provide cinematic backdrops for your stories. That's right. Anybody that's seen Helm's Deep in Lord of the Rings obviously knows that. But not only that, a good cinematic backdrop for your players gets them to play their characters better. Absolutely. It makes them have more fun, right? Speaking of characters... It's a place for your characters to explore, to hang out during downtime, and for side quests or the main quest, it allows them to hunt down in a different environment than just out in the wilderness or chasing monsters. Absolutely. It allows you to build lore into your world and further enrich your environment. Also, if you are a GM who builds collaboratively with their players, which you should, absolutely, it allows them to put their stamp on places in the world. So it gives them incentive to continue to tell the story it gives them a place they can go home to or even just said, I made that world, Yep, which is a lot of fun. There's nothing more amusing than watching your players come around the corner in a city and walk up to the bar that they made and they named. It's true. Because they get that. If they're not game masters, they get that sense of like, I created this thing. This is like, I'm a part of this also. That's right. So city building is very important. Fantastical cities are a lot of fun. Now, for the purposes of this show, we're only talking magical, fantastical cities. Right. This isn't your run-of-the-mill Moss Eisley. No, that I guess we'll have to do a, a sci-fi city We'll, we'll show. definitely yeah. do a sci-fi cities at some point. But we're talking about cities in the clouds, cities on gigantic flumps, perhaps. Sure. City on the back of a flying whale, whatever, right? Yeah. It's some kind of magic is involved, which means it's probably going to get really strange really quick. That's what we're here for. Yes, <laughs> we provide. So you want to build a proper fantasy city. Matt, we got a couple of steps that we've written for tonight. What's the first step? Firstly, you have to decide where you're establishing your city. Is it in a pond? Is it on a bridge in the clouds? Next to the Tarsk? <laughs> sure. Just, like Just, maybe built on the Tarsk, for example? 
Like it's a waistcoat. Yeah, I mean, he sleeps for, it sleeps for quite a long time. It's true. Play a bit with the architecture. So, does it have soaring columns, majestic flying buttresses? Is it composed of tentacles, marshmallows, perhaps? Think about that. Absolutely. I mean, you build a gingerbread house, why not have a marshmallow mansion? I know once upon a time, we used to talk about the fact that elven architecture was Art Nouveau and dwarven architecture was Art Deco. It's an easy way to kind of describe and kind of make some architectural differences between cultures. And Sure. Orcs were brutalist design. Yeah. Goblins are just all over the place. If you want cultural influences on your architecture, that's a way to think about it. Absolutely. Now, in addition to the type of architecture, you also want to consider the building material. So, for example, is it grown material? And there's lots of different types. It could be like natural, like we're talking about elves, right? could yeah. be plant material, but it doesn't have to be. It could be grown crystals, sure. bone. Think of a titanic creature, maybe. They carved the whole city out of bone. That, that would be, be badass. awesome. Like a, a giant scrimshaw city from some aquatic leviathan. Yes, that would be great. And when you're thinking about building materials, one of the things you have to think about is how hard are these materials? There's a big difference between building with wood and sandstone and granite. Yeah. And you don't need an exact number right off the bat, right? You can totally just kind of freeball it for the most part. But at some point, your PCs are going to start digging or and chipping literally. away at a door <laughs> yeah, or trying to sap a wall. And you want to have a basic idea of the building material. And it could be composed of various types. Yeah. You but, just want some rough concept to work with. Yeah. You don't have to have a, an entire chart for that. Maybe we'll make one for you later, but it's not necessary. Additionally, this will also sometimes determine, again, keep in mind, magic is available, so right. it may not, but how tall stuff can be. Without magic, yeah. Yeah. Without magic, if it's made entirely of a giant femur, just like imagine a towering femur going up into the sky, that would be pretty badass. Sure. And I mean, that's a great example because- bone is structurally as hard as concrete so you could have a huge bone building if you can find a femur large enough can you imagine like inside the bone tower the marrow forms kind of like a web of bridges sure that would be really cool and those could be the basis for rooms and you can you know carve out ways up yeah a tower of hell made out of a femur bone think about it It'd be fun or could be an angelic tower carved out of the bone of a giant demon that was slain by them that would be awesome yeah do you know flip it on its head a little bit there you go when we're talking about what it's built on in fact let's talk about the foundation now there doesn't have to be a foundation it could literally live in the clouds but at that point the foundation is the clouds sure could it be a mountain that it's built upon sure why not? grasslands a majestic sky flump just floating through the breeze gently farting that's right just flumps along you could have it in a series of caves. Or on a series of caves. Yes. It could be on top of a really pissed off treant. So when you said that, I just got a mental image of an Aarakocra city on just like as a nest on top of the head a of giant a giant treant. A multi-spiraled nest city on top of a, a behemoth treant. Yep. He's just mad as hell because they're just pooping everywhere. I love that idea. Could also be on a megafauna. Yeah. And we've had megafauna episodes as well, so go check that out. That would be a lot of fun to have, just like a giant megafauna city. In fact, we might provide one tonight. Indeed. Your foundation can determine all sorts of things, like 
whether or not there are any dungeons nearby or if the city is in a dungeon or on a dungeon. Sure. It also is going to determine what sort of mineral deposits are available, if there's any sort of like magical resonance or those sorts of things. Absolutely. So you've got kind of a basic idea in your head of maybe what you want for your city. Now let's play a little bit with some thematics. First off, it's real fun to play with just the vertical height of a city. Yeah, let's now we're going to we're going to get extra fantastical here. Because yeah, well magic makes a lot of fun things possible. We'll go back to Sharn and Eberron. It's a towering city, it's got multiple levels. Some of them even float above because there's a conjunction on the plane of air. Mm-hmm. So you could have it underground, multiple tiered cities underground. You could have it, as we mentioned, in the trees. That would be kind of neat. The canopy of the trees is a different part of the city versus maybe near the roots of this big tree. Sure. You could have it also, as we mentioned, in the clouds. Could you imagine it spanning two different cloud banks? I can, but also I was thinking the tone of the city would change based off of what type of cloud it is. Oh, so like a storm cloud versus like a serious cloud? Yeah. Why so serious? <laughs> sure. It could be built into a mountain, many dwarven cities like that, right? It could be all over the place, too. It doesn't have to be just straight. It could be diagonal or something crazy. That could be a lot of fun, like cities built at weird angles. Sure. So if the city is tiered, how is it tiered, right? What are the What's on the different levels and what makes the different levels different? Sure. So I'll go back to Sharn again because that's a good example. So in the bottom, you've got kind of like the forges and stuff like that where all the monsters and warforged dwell because mm-hmm. you're making weapons and, you know, doing forging things. Right. Whereas up at the top portion, the where cleanest, the, airiest yeah, portion. Yeah, where all the rich people live, right? Sure. Another thing you could do is look at it from the opposite direction, wherein if you're in a dwarven city and it's tiered, maybe the ones that are at the top are actually for visitors and as you get deeper the dwarfier the dwarves get yeah the dwarfiest dwarves live at the base of the mountain roots yeah that makes perfect sense right that's a lot of fun to consider so think about that kind of vertical or horizontal angle for for a city uh play with space speaking of which so the city could be multi-dimensional does it have extra dimensional spaces is it bigger on the inside nothing says it has to be in the same location that's true. I did uh, the City of Parties for one of the episodes we did was had a bunch of different kind of dimensions in different wards of the city. Yeah. Now, if this is the case, how do the residents live in a multidimensional city? So you roll up and you open a door to a tavern and now you're either in an amphitheater. Right. Big ass tavern, right? Could be the town hall. Sure. Maybe there's one hut in a small village and you open it up and it's just the barracks for an entire nation of guards. That would be awesome. That would be freakish for player characters to find that out. It's the most powerful place in the land. Where are all the cities? They open up the door and it's just wall to wall, just like a like a mini malls inside this small little hut. I like the idea of a farming town that is set up like that, where... Every time you open any sort of opening, it's extra dimensional. So like you've got a little acre plot that's got a fence around it, right? And the second you open the gate to the acre plot, it just stretches out in front of you. And it's, 
hundreds of acres of farmland. And every time you open the door to the tavern, instead of being the tiny little, like, you know, one and a half story tavern, it ends up being palatial on the inside. And everything in this farming town is actually dozens to hundreds of times the size that it actually appears from the outside. Barkeep has a uh, wall of liquor, like from the just, Matrix, when it's like, ex- tank, I, <laughs> tank fly. I need some liquor. Yeah, it just flies across. It'd be awesome. I need that. Me too. You could play with different themes as well, and this is something we definitely recommend. So, for example, it might blend in with nature, the entire city. That's a fun theme to explore. Yeah. Or maybe it is the richest place in the world. At which point in time, you should get ridiculous. Yeah. How rich is it? It's so rich that blank, right? Right. Maybe it's the seat of a majocracy. That's a lot of fun. I mean, if it's a fantastical city, probably some sort of magic's involved, either divine or arcane or psionic or whatever your game happens to provide. Sure. And this will influence a lot of different stuff. Like what? It's going to influence literally just everything from day to day. Like, is it going to have lighting? Yeah. And what type of lighting is it going to have? If you've got a tinker town, then it might have literal gas lighting. Whereas if you're in the seat of the majocracy, let's face it. There's glowing spheres floating about everywhere, Absolutely. like drift Absolutely. Everybody's got their own personal street light that follows them around if they want. Yes, indeed. Not only lighting, but you can also consider things like plumbing. Everybody's got a poop. Yep. Where does it go? Where do they get water from? So in the majocracy, for example, they might just turn a faucet on and underneath the sink is a tiny little portal to the elemental plane of water. Sure. Or fire. Or the entire city's plumbing is based off of multiple decanters of endless water. That would be really cool. And it just builds up the pressure. You turn the tap. Yeah, I love that as well. Could have unusual plants and animals. And should, because magic exists. Yeah. It could have unusual forms of transit. So let's go back to the city in the clouds. Either everybody needs to learn how to fly. Right. Or you're going to have to have some rings of feather fall real quick. Yeah. And how do people get to and from the city? Do they have magical lifts, for example? Do you have sky taxis of like, you know, flying chariots or mounts or what have you? Yeah. Dragons or wyverns or griffins or whatnot. And that actually touches on the next thing we were going to talk about, which is like access and accessibility. How do you get into the town? If it's a super magical town, there could literally just be a doorway out in a field somewhere. And that's how you access the city. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe there's no doors at all in the entire city. It's just a regular city, but it's composed of opaque walls of force, for example. Sure. And you have to know the right code word to teleport in. Maybe you can only teleport in. If it's one of these cities we were talking about that's multidimensional, maybe you have to teleport in or, you know, travel plannerly to get into this city. Yeah. The city of Sigil is a great example of that. Or Sigil, right? Magic exists. So what can magic do for the residents versus what they can do for themselves, right? Is it better than the usual way to access things mundanely? And you know I love magical technology. I love it. Hot showers. That's my first thing right there. A floating bed, perhaps. Also good. 
baby fire elementals as a stove. Sure. A la house moving castle. Brown molds for refrigeration. That's something we've talked about. Yeah, in the past. chill room and stuff. Yeah, just all sorts of options to take magic and make what we consider mundane things happen using it. Who lives here also is something to consider. So this will be based on your theme. So, for example, if you're making a bardic city, then bards live there, right? But it could be anyone living in a city. So what do we want to know? We want to know, first off, why do they live in this magical or fantastical city? Sure. They've got to have a reason. What do they do for a living? Got to eat. Now, they might be wizards, but they don't necessarily are all wizards. What are they proud of? What do they hate? Everybody's proud of something. Everybody's angry at something. They've got to have some way to live and do. And what do they do, right? Right. People are complex. They've got lives. That's right. Provide several NPCs for the city, which I love that you wrote this because everyone wants to know, particularly the player characters, when they roll into this fantastical city, where do I go get a drink? So where's the innkeeper? Who's the mayor? Maybe provide everyone's favorite baker and so forth. And you have a theory on uh, fantastical cities as well with baking. I use the baker as the example, but in the real world, people have favorite places to eat and take look at Yelp, right? Like there's ratings and generally there's a consensus on the best X in a town. Where does the place that serves the best beer, the place that serves the best wings, etc. So that's what makes a place real is when people have favorite things in that town and what that city is known for as well that Indeed. city might be known for a particular thing it's spiced ale it's magical monsters the fact that when you show up you get vaporized it could be anything right yeah. that's that's a city that's a, with a long and glorious history of the vaporizing city yes <laughs> fill in the gaps in society as well right so once you've kind of got a general idea of who lives there and what's going on in the city Throw in the stuff that every city has, right? Uh, places of interest, inns, bars, temples, shops, government buildings, parks. Basically anything that's going to be of direct interest to the players or anything that ties directly to the lore that either enforces the flavor of the city or furthers the story. Right. So all of this is supposed to further the story. And again, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be exhaustive. You can literally just write a little bit and then fill in the blanks afterward. And we'll show you in some of the examples that we've provided as well, because we didn't write everything. We just gave a basic example, and then we're going to ask each other stuff about it. Sure. Give it some history and some lore. How did this ridiculously magical city come about? Who created the city? The people living there may not have founded the city. They may have literally just found Stumbled the across city. the city? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How does it relate to the surrounding area? So this is a fantastical city, right? It's it's living on a giant sky flump. Its tendrils grace the ground occasionally and drift over people. Maybe occasionally smash a house. Sure. Are, do, how do they, you know, is this something that is a common occurrence? Do people hate it? Yeah. Or do people forgive it because the people of the sky city just rain glorious magic down to the common folk below? Yeah, maybe every time Who the knows? sky flump farts, crops grow. Sure. That Anything. would be kind of, yeah, that would be, that's what a sky flump does, guys. Farts and crops grow. Think about that. <laughs> what does it offer to others, if anything? What can the people visiting the city offer it? Yes, cities need things too. They don't make. They're not little islands onto themselves, unless they are. Unless they happen to be an island, right? So, what can you provide to the city? 
Maybe it's raw materials. Maybe it's just a willing populace to work. Yeah. If it's a tyrannical city, for example, it doesn't have to be good. How are people employed? Speaking of which. Right. Once again, is it an industrial city? Where do people work? And how do people defend the city? What kind of techniques does this fantastical city have to keep other people from taking it? The flump just flumps away. Nobody wants to mess with it. It's too cute. <laughs> no one will dare attack the flump city. Finally, we have secrets. And this is the good shit. Right. So what are we talking about when we say secrets? Every city has secrets, first off. Does it have any dungeons or unexplored areas? Yeah. So it could be maybe wilderness areas, secret passages in between the buildings, perhaps. Yeah. Catacombs. Catacombs are always a delight. It could have shadow organizations. Absolutely. So it could be cults, thieves' guilds. Any organization that literally operates out of the shadows is a shadow organization. That's right. Power players. So it could, who's in charge? And this is lots of lore and prime story stuff for people to run intrigue campaigns. Sure. Is there a single mayor? Is it a council? How does this place work organizationally? Hmm? Who is the benefactor? I love this idea. So... In the same way that there could be some evil person behind the curtains pulling the strings, there could be some good guy behind the curtains pulling the strings, trying to make the city better. Is it a noble Jean? Is it a gold dragon? Is it maybe a celestial? Or maybe just a dude with a lot of cash? Sure. Just throwing it around, right? Little daddy warbucks. Uh What kind of magic and power does it possess? Obviously, it's a fantastical city. Great magic or great power created this city. What else is going on? Yeah. So Are there any storehouses of this great magic hanging out anywhere? If you've got an extra dimensional city, it might be transplanar, which means it might have access to all of the planes. If it's a flying city, guess what? It might actually move. It may not just be sedentary in one place, right? And I, I think it should move. I agree with that, yes. I think I think a cloud city should literally drift around the continents. Just wander around? Yeah. Yeah, and occasionally get close enough to trade with. Mm-hmm. What kind of monsters are in the city? This is a fantasy game, right? Sure. Do you have a cranium rat infestation or... That's bad times right there. <laughs> or is the city one gigantic cranium rat? The city is the monster. Sure. That would be bad times. Megafauna. Yes. Or a mimic colony. A mimic colony. Oh, my. As a city. Sure. There you go. And most importantly, what story arcs are provided by this fantastical city? Because remember, the whole point of all of this is to tell a story. So what are you providing to your players as a gift for them to then help generate this world that you've created? In the narrative, why are they here? What makes this place important to the story? Yep. A couple of things to consider as well. First off, cities are not monolithic. There's always some sort of variation. So, right. for example, in a mageocracy... Everybody can't be mages. Yeah. They could, but then you're going to wind up with a couple of problems. First off, who cleans up? Okay, well, if it's unseen servants, what happens if the magic goes out suddenly? Well, the thing is, is no, even if you can clear out a lot of mundane issues with magic, who's growing food? Who's making boots? Gotta have a couple of druids rolling around or a farmer. Some, right. Some guy with a hoe. <laughs> yeah. Who's making the boots, right? Mm-hmm. You think that wizard's gonna make boots? No. Come on. Wizard's gonna be blasting spells and doing 
multi multi shaping of reality and stuff. They're not going to make boots. Even except for Hamblish, Hamblish would do it. <laughs> Hamblish would absolutely. The Paisley Maze, yeah. yeah, he 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 likes boots. But they're all going to be Paisley boots. So if you don't like Paisley, you're just out. You're out of luck here. Unless everyone in the city is charmed, you're gonna have bad apples. Yes. And if everyone in the city is charmed, then the person doing the charming is the bad apple. That's right. And that's it. It's always fun to provide quirks for your city. There's probably some kind of weird thing that's going on, even in a perfect city of mages. Sometimes because it's a city of mages. I, I agree with that as well. Uh, this is something that is always a good rule of thumb. What are five things that everyone in the city all know? Could be any five things, right? Maybe this person you don't want to mess with because the captain of the guard is an asshole. This is the place to get the best beer. This is a place where you want to hide a body. I don't know. Just, you know, make up five things. Could be anything, right? Sure. I want I want to visit <laughs> the city where everybody knows the best place to hide a body. <laughs> Finally, who are the city's friends and rivals? Because cities don't exist by themselves. They're in a world that you've created. Yeah. So someone's going to hate that city that floats up in the clouds on a majestic sky flump just farting along. They're going to be jealous of it, of its cushiness, of its delightful pinkish color. Or, you know, they're organic farmers and they don't believe in flump fertilizer. Yeah, how dare you. Now let's mix it up just a bit because we've got what, Matt? It's time for the question of the week. All right. I'm assuming it's fantastical city related. It is, in fact. Excellent. Tell me what it is. You get to make one or two, because I've met you, design decisions for a fantasy city. What is your personal touch in a fantasy city? Hmm. The first one would have to be hot showers, because I don't think I could live without them. But I would say the second one would be hot showers, but a different form of hot shower. Okay. A column of purple flame. Just imagine a big column of purple flame in the center of the city. Okay. It'd be like a public bathworks. And when you step into the purple flame, it replaces the bath. It just burns the dirt clean of your body. And you step out, your clothes are pressed, laundered. Nice. All dirt and grime is just scoured from your body by this these purifying flames. Like literally purifying flames. I like it. Maybe even cures you of disease or pox. Wow. That's busy. That's a badass flame, right? It's purple. It's got to be important. It's got to be important if it's purple. Yeah, that would be mine. I think that would be pretty awesome. That would be cool. You could even have them in different parts of the city so that people can just line up on their way back from work. Tiny purple flames to wash your hands. (laughs) Nice. I like it. (laughs) That'd be fun. What about you? What would you have? Sorry, I just got a picture of a kitchen where people are passing vegetables through the purple flame to clean them off. Like, it's literally just ubiquitous. Yeah, just just burning off the, the dirt. The purple flame plumbing company. <laughs> yeah, purple flame pur- plumbing company. Uh, what's wrong? I don't know. My purple flame's not coming on. Really? Well, let me take a look at your plumbing here. Oh, that's why. You've got, you've got some blue stuck in there. Your red and your blue aren't mixing properly to produce pure purple. That's, that's going to get messy. It's going to get messy. That's, that's problematic. Yeah. For me, I think I would have city parks that would be magically augmented food forests. So just rows of apple trees that are growing plump apples or apple pies, perhaps. Sure. But even there are a lot of gorgeous foods that look really cool as they're growing. I mean, ginger is a beautiful flower that also is a delicious tuber. 
Sure. So just literally gorgeous parks that you can walk by, you know, grab some fresh ginger on your way home or pick some apples, whatever you need. I mean, in a fantastic city like that, you might have a tree that literally grows cows. <laughs> you could. Pluck the tiny cow. And it, and it Why just, even have it grow cows? It, it just, just grows, grows steaks. Yeah, it grows steaks or ribs or whatever. Steak fruit. You just grab the steak fruit, start chewing on it. Already cooked. Why even cook it, right? Yeah. It just grows cooked it goes steaks. pre-cooked. God, I would love that. Where's the rare prime rib tree? Where right. where did I put that? That's right. We're interested in your answers as well. So if you have an answer to the question of the week, hit us up at Goblin's Corner on Twitter. And of course, you can find us on all of the various social media channels that Matt mostly posts to. <laughs> it's true. And if you're watching us on YouTube, just comment down below. Yeah. We read those also. He likes to talk to people. <laughs> I avoid you all. Now, as we are wont to do, we've provided about five or six example cities, fantastical cities for you to use in your game. And on that note, you have a city that you have provided first. That is on that note, in fact. How very punish of you, Matt, because we're talking about the city of Cord, C-H-O-R-D. Right. Nestled deep within a magical limestone box canyon, this city is famous for its perfect acoustics in any room of the city. That's either awesome or terrible. I mean, you'll depending see, on who's singing. It's, it's awesome for this. The magic of the limestone allows any creature or instrument with the right resonance to bounce sounds, change pitch, toss a conversation across the entire city, or various other harmonic abilities. So it mimics any type of spell in your game that has to do with harmonics. That's cool. I can imagine like uh, phone boxes around the city that allows you to pitch from phone box to phone box. Hey, hum a, hum a chord and it just kind of calls the next person. Then they pick up, hey, what's going on, Jim? That'd be fun, right? Yep. Bars from across the realms flock to the city of Cord to study its effects on music and particularly the instruments used in the creation of music. Sure. So this is a bardic city with perfect harmonics. That's amazing. Those who think the city of Cord would be an easy town to defeat are in for a very nasty surprise. All citizens know a particular sound they can hum, which turns any weapon into one which deals harmonic damage. So it could be sonic or thunder, whatever your game happens to provide, but some kind of resonating damage in their weapon. Additionally, the main gate to the city acts as a titanic sonic weapon when three or more individuals hum a particular tune in specific areas of the gate. I like that idea. I also like the idea that the gate is actually a giant gong that somebody could I, I like the idea of you get you guys have seen Dune. So like when he uh when he uses the voice the oh, yeah, the weirding way. Yeah, the weirding way. Sort of like that. They all start humming this particular chord and it resonates like that, and the enemy army outside just gets splattered. That would be awesome. So that's the city of Cord. What kind of creatures would exist in Cord? Obviously, people who make instruments. Sure. The, I mean, you've got to have luthiers and all of that. Taverns would definitely exist in the... I mean, it's a city full of bards. Right. Stages. They've got to eat, they've got to drink, and they've got to have a place to play and crowds to play for. Yep. And you've got to have a place for raw materials because they're not mining stuff in this perfect acoustically pitched limestone yeah, cavern. That. No, you don't want to mess that up, right? So the... All the everything mined has to be imported. Yes, absolutely. But you might have people teaching languages. So, you know, and at that point, you're going to need paper and pens. So you're going to have people selling those and making those. 
I mean, you're you're going to have to have basically an entire city, like a, a self-working city that just happens to be themed around bards. Yep. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, the next city we have as an example is one you've created. And this is very interesting because it's based off the wild hunt. So tell us about the city of Arch. The city of Arch. Well, first off, it's A-E-R-C-H. And that was uh, just one of the ways I come up with names. I took Airy and Perch and I just piecemealed them together. Okay. To Arch. Deep in the jungle, cursed by the wild hunt to be larger, wilder, and more dangerous, a river cuts a deep canyon through parts of the jungle. Those that survived the initial onslaught of the curse have carved their villages into the walls of the canyon to provide safety both from the dangers of the jungle and the predators that occasionally surge out of the river below. That sounds pretty awesome right there. So it's literally cliff cities. Okay, so cliff dwellers and there's a river below. Mm-hmm. A river runs through it, perhaps? <laughs> it does, in fact. Plumbing is provided by cisterns that collect rainwater from the jungle above and simply gravity feeds fountains and baths and restrooms, which then drain off into the river below. Cooking and lighting are provided by fire, both because wood is easy to scavenge from above and fire helps ward off the pervasive damp. You you live directly above a giant river. It's going to be a little moist. Yeah. <laughs> Travel is facilitated by spider scouts, which comes from... Uh, our show before our fantastic uh, vehicles. Yep. And domesticated dire parrots, domesticated dire parrots. Yep. How big are these parrots? I mean, they're big enough to ride around. Yeah. That's awesome. I just, I love the idea of Polly want a medium sized <laughs> creature to chew on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they can talk back to you. <laughs> oh man. So while they're eating you alive, they're like, this is a good vittle. Well, parrots form sentimental bonds. So literally, you can have one that is very fond of its rider and sees most other people as a snack. This is pretty awesome. I love that there's a city that's overlooking a river, some cliff dwellings, and gravity-fed water. So that can also perhaps power a mill. Sure. You might have a mill. You know? You've got a lot of wood. Maybe you have a lathe. Maybe Absolutely. They have some delightful woodworking. There's obviously lots of wood. Yeah, there's a giant jungle above you, so. Yeah. And whatever flavor jungle you want, like it could be a rainforest style jungle or it could be like a deep forest type area, whatever you want above you. I could see druids maybe living in the city to facilitate the growth of the trees or maybe even wind some of the trees down the canyon so that you might have like a, a living bridge. Absolutely. Especially with like a vine rope bridge. Be living vines. Yep. That's really cool. What an interesting, different, fantastical city. So, yeah, I just, I thought that was, that's one I haven't seen before. You have one coming up called Galvania. Yes, which is you, one you haven't seen before. <laughs> this is a, a I, I see it as a giant iron sphere. Okay. Sitting over a blasted desert, a magical, devastated desert. Okay. So Galvania is the following. It is a self-contained spherical city trapped within a nearly perpetual dust storm. Oh, okay. <laughs> a big old iron ball in a dust storm. All right. This city, the target of a cataclysmic experiment, is believed to have been tied in some way to the plane of pandemonium. Fun. Yes, which if you haven't seen our pandemonium episode, 
Go check it out. A dust storm outside the city is maddening, but the thick iron walls protect Galvanium from the magical winds of the blasted desert. The gravity inside the sphere pulls toward the walls and not towards what would be called like the um, the bottom of the outside observer. Okay, so this way, not this way. Yeah, so on the inside, they live on the inside of the sphere. Okay. Magical research has been done that causes continual flames to produce full-spectrum light, allowing crops to be grown inside the sphere. These are scattered throughout the floors of the city, so you have, like, flames on the floor of the city. Kind of like, um... I'm, th- I'm seeing, like, floor lighting, like in a theater. Yes. <laughs> but they go for the opposite part of the city. Sure. So if you're on the opposite side of the city, it's you look up, there's lights. Giant doors open automatically when the dust storm subsides at random intervals, but they are always open for 12 hours, no more, no less. Okay. And you never know when they're going to open back up. So if you want to leave the city, you can leave, but... But can you get outside of the dust storm in 12 hours? Well, that's that's up for you to figure out. You know, That's a great plot point. A large monument dominates the center of the sphere, depicting a great magical catastrophe in perfect detail. A core of magical researchers have studied it continuously, trying to figure out how to undo the outside cataclysm and gain power over the city itself. So... Definitely like a mageocracy style city. Sure. Kinda. Right? Like the, the mages of the city are trying to fix it, but everybody else is having to do like the work of making a city work. Oh yeah, it's a living city. Yeah. Now here's a couple of things to consider. If the if they live on the inside of the city and that is down and Water flows down. That means on the outside of the sphere, there's probably pores where the plumbing exits, which means directly below the sphere, because once it gets outside the sphere, down is down, Mm -hmm. then you have a large pool of mud. So when you leave the city, you fall into a big vat of refuge. Oh, see, I thought maybe this giant iron ball was being pushed around by this cataclysmic storm. No, it's just floating in the center of this giant storm. Now, another option is, is because of all of that, you might have part of the magical wind blowing that stuff around, Sure, and it might fertilize everything outside the magical dust storm, which would be kind of neat. So you see this blasted land, and if you could survive, there might be just jungles or an entire world of just prolific vegetation. That's a cool idea. Like literally outside of this scorched, blasted landscape, there's just the luscious land on the planet. Yeah, because it's magically enhanced. It's got the refuse from the city. Yeah. They've been gating everything in because there's no way you're getting into the city. You're raising chickens for the eggs and the chicken, right? Like I'm, I'm raising extra plano chickens, the ones with the four wings. Tasty. Six legs, they're hard to catch, but they're a whole a meal for the whole family. Yeah, so that's the city of Galvania. A lot of fun, a lot of options with that. Now, you've got one going in a different direction here. We went into this blasted desert. You've got one in the ocean. Tell me about Riptide Cove. I thought you were going a different direction with that comment. I thought because yours is floating mm. and mine is you're going sing- down. You're, you're right. sinking. Very good. All right, so Riptide Cove. The crews of several salvage ships have founded a hidden underwater town. Sunken and derelict ships have been dragged into a wide-mouthed deep-water cove. Right? So, literally, they found them, 
and they just drug them underwater to get to the cove. Okay. The ships have been turned upside down underwater, patched, re-waterproofed, and then air is pumped in for the people that breathe air, and then some of them are left filled with water for the creatures that are water breathing. So you've got an underwater city, basically, Mm -hmm. made out of sunken boats. Yep. That's cool. A large buoy attached to a winch acts as an elevator, and schools of domesticated bioluminescent fish provide light for those unused to the darkened depths. (laughs) That would be a creepy way to descend into the depths, where the school of fish just kind of circles the buoy as it kind of sinks beneath the waves and there's maybe just enough air for you to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, this is great. It's a submarine. No, this is awesome. I'm definitely putting this in my game. Now, as befitting an underwater city, shrines to various water deities can be found throughout the town, obviously. Sure. A few aquatic druids and clerics provide security for the town and between them and the druids animal allies, Few uninvited guests ever make it near the buoy, let alone down into the town. You got to find it first, too. Yeah. You got to find the buoy, and they can always drag the buoy down in times of crisis. Yep. It might be a great city for Salhagen. Sure. It doesn't have to be humanoid creatures, right? Nope. Doesn't even have to be a good town. <laughs> That's it. absolutely right. Could be a town of thieves and pirates. Yeah. If you if you wanted to flavor it as a pirate town, then it is a group of salvage crews. Sure. And you know the thing is, is oh, the city needs to expand. Yeah, we're having a lot more people. Cool. Let's go raid a couple <laughs> boats and sink them. Sure. Or Drag raid a couple them. of towns. Yeah. What kind of where is it located? It's on the bottom of the ocean, but it doesn't have to be like an abyssal plain. Yeah, it, it doesn't have be, to be deep, deep. No, it could be maybe on the side of a coral reef. It could be near a trench. Maybe there's a giant kraken nearby or something like that that demands tribute. All a lot of options I could see for this. They're obviously going to have a lot of fish, but they might not have other materials. Sure. Like boats. Like it's a hidden cove, right? But what if it's a blasted island? So they're not getting a whole lot of resources from the island itself other than, you know, bird poo. Yeah. Could also be in the middle of like a shipping lane, which would be a really cool thing. Or a sargasso. Sure. That'd be a lot of fun as well. That's cool. I love that idea. We decided to, to get weird again. Tell me about Lurch, the city of sieges. So this would be if a construct was a city. Striding across the vast plains is an enormous automaton city, the bane of all other cities within a hundred mile radius. Okay. The city of Lurch is vaguely anthropomorphic and consists of a gyroscopic inner city, basically the belly, supported by two gargantuan hydraulic legs just thumping along the ground. The city has one crop-stealing arm, which kind of looks a lot like a conveyor belt, and then it has a wide scooping hand, like an earth mover or uh, a backhoe or something like that. Okay. And it just kind of scoops stuff up and it goes up the arm. The other war arm. So like a sod machine. Yeah, kind of like a sod machine would be good. Yeah. (laughs) I like it. The other war arm resembles a siege tower bristling with weapons. So you've got the war arm and you've got the crop arm, right? Sure. The head at the top has a mouth which funnels the food into the top portion for easy processing by the city residents. Due to the size and speed of the automaton, the city of Lurch can pull entire strips of croplands up into the city at a time. So imagine this gigantic construct 
you're just a farmer. You look out in the distance and over the hill, you see this giant city just stomping along. Stomp, stomp, stomp. Run for the hills. Everybody just runs. The siege engine war arm comes out and ballista and catapults just fly in every direction. Sure. Smashes an iron fist to the ground, maybe knocking some guards. And then the other hand scoops up your entire farmland full of crops, dumps it into the mouth, and all of your pumpkins are processed by the citizens. They get free pumpkin pie. Sure. Lurch was originally founded by a group of oligarch halflings who may or may not still be in charge of this massively dangerous construction. Because oligarch halflings. Yeah, greedy just, halflings. Yeah, I want some greedy-ass halflings. They get all the food. Yeah. I, I love, <laughs> like, there's literally no reason for it to be any given race, but I've never seen oligarch halflings as a, as a descriptor before. Be great. Now, we've come to one final one, and we promised that we would do a megafauna. So, Matt, we've got our favorite creature, or your favorite creature, certainly, Azeratan. <laughs> yes. And we're calling this Azeratan Beach Resort, known as Lodi Lodi. Yep. We didn't even write anything. No, it literally just says the enormous Zeratan Beach Resort. Yes. So, let's talk a bit about this. First off, it's a Zeratan. If you guys don't know what a Zeratan is, imagine a giant swimming sea turtle. Right. As an island. As an island with trees and... You know, caves and shit on it. Maybe yep. even a volcano. Who knows? Doesn't if, matter how big if it's Zeratan. big enough. Sure, if it's big enough. Big old, yeah, massive Zeratan. I see a congenial set of Salhagen in palm shirts. Okay. So they've got like the beachwear, and they're the first people that you see when you come to Lodi Lodi. All right. Sure. You see a bunch of fish people in Hawaiian shirts, right? Yeah. I think uh, this is a all-inclusive, but like high-end, oh yeah, all-inclusive sort of resort. You've got literally the the tiki-style bars just randomly dotting the magical island. accommodations and such. Sure, this should be for monsters. Nice, I like it. So all manner of non-humanoids show up. So you might have some Kuatoa chilling. Sure. Maybe some uh, what you would consider to be evil creatures, but not necessarily like beholders or mind flayers. Imagine mind flayers just kind of hanging out with some chilled brain. Yeah. They've got <laughs> they got brains in a blender. I was I was literally thinking a brain a brain daiquiri. A brain daiquiri. See, just, get, that's how you get brain freeze. Yeah, they get a little. Oh, I love that. <laughs> get a little brain freeze. They're just slurping. They've got like a straw. They're sitting out. You, you know, there's there's some one of the big boba tea straws. Yeah, there's some don't you know some some nice steady beat going on by some bards. Yeah. Maybe they're Darrow bards playing ukuleles. Playing ukuleles and such. Yeah, maybe some steel drums. Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it's literally take a beach resort, like a club med, like straight up beach resort, and then people it with the bad guys. People with monsters. But still in that style of vacation. I love it. I think that's hilarious. And you should use that in your campaign as well. Now, we can, of course, we can modify it to whatever fits the game. It's the love boat for monsters. It's the love boat for monsters. There you go. That's all we need to say. There you go. So there you have it. Several methods to craft your own fantastical city. Hopefully we've given you some inspiration by the ones we've provided as well. And of course, a lot of different options to flavor your world, along with some ways that you can get your players involved as well. 
Sure. We think it'll be a lot of fun, particularly the Zaratan Beach Resort. Absolutely. It's got to happen. Yeah. Any questions or comments, hit us up at Goblins Corner on Twitter. Did you enjoy this program? We've got a whole ton of them. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite player, YouTube, and Twitch. Click the five stars and give us a review on iTunes and Podchaser. And if you're on YouTube, hit like and subscribe. It gets our show in front of more people. It boosts the show and feeds the hungry algorithm. Which is currently surfacing from pristine waters next to a giant Zaratan with a brain freeze daiquiri and an amused expression on its fishy face. Indeed. Yeah. Lovely brain freeze. That's all the time we have for tonight. Once again, my name is Eric. And I'm Matt. We'll see you next time. Good night, folks. Goblin's Corner is written and produced by Eric Holden and Matt Staples. The music is by the Mighty D20. This has been a Subterranean production.